0: This episode is a co-production by the RPG Academy and the Rolist. This panel is a recording of a stream on the Twitch channel of the RPG Academy. A video version is available on the YouTube channel of the RPG Academy and the Rolist. If you join our newsletter, for which you can find a link in the description of this episode, you will be informed in advance of future broadcasts. This way you could join us live on Twitch, and contribute with your own question via our chat room. For parents about what is Dungeons and Dragons and tabletop role playing games, I am Kalu, the, the Prodi London based show of tabletop RPG fans across the channel, The Pond, and Beyond. I'm also a faculty member of the RPG Academy, which, which is based in the US. But I won't be the one giving you answers tonight because I assembled a top-notch panel of specialists for you. Starting with the currently extremely famous Mustang, a.k.a. Sarah, Could you introduce yourself, please?
1: Hi, I'm Mustang Sarah. You will find me on Twitter at MustangsArt. I do a lot of disability content um, in tabletop role-playing games. Um, And at the moment, my career has kind of been around Paizo, um, Artalsorian, and Red Scar Gaming as publishers. Um, And yeah, I've been working on stuff just besides D&D, so I'm able to give a bit of a view outside of Dungeons & Dragons
0: your latest project which you announced is not that children friendly I believe
1: Uh, no that's the Hellboy tabletop role playing game (laughs) Um, definitely not child friendly Um, but yeah that's the the newest one Uh, maybe, well, maybe if your children are older than 15, maybe. <laughs> for,
0: for the big children. Uh, for the big children, uh, because we know adults as much as children can enjoy things like my little pony. Alessio, could you introduce yourself, please?
2: Yes, I'm Alessio Cavatore. Uh, I own River Horse Games. And we make more games, but we also make role-play <laughs> games. And uh, we made two role-play games, which are very much... I say on theme tonight. Uh, the first one is My Little Pony, like you were saying, which is Tales of Equestria. <laughs> Basically is D and D with ponies. And, and, and the second one is Labyrinth, the adventure game, which is effectively Again, a family game. We won the we won the Emmys for uh, for best family game actually just just now. So very proud, very happy. Oh, yeah. So yeah, definitely. Is basically we make games for geeks which grew old and have kids like myself and want to share the you know the fun of role playing with the stuff that both myself and the kids and my daughter, in particular, well And so that, that's where we started making those.
0: Amazing! Congratulations uh, on your award. And uh, to finish uh, with a proper expert, uh, we got Rupert. Well, yeah, you're, you're a professional uh, of taking care of children. Am I right? You're the only one among us who's got this qualification. You uh, have got a little paper saying that it's okay to be around children. I yeah, think. yeah. I have
3: a, a piece of paper saying your children will be okay with me. Um I run the Goblin's Chest. We work predominantly with children with uh, traumatic backgrounds or learning um, difficulties in some aspect. Also children with, uh, or on the autistic spectrum, um, a very, very wide range. And we use role play as a way to help them um, practice their communication skills, uh, interaction with other people. A very, very wide range of things, including mindfulness and loads of mental health benefits as well. So that's what we were and we're on we're on Twitter yeah. and um thegoblinchest.com online. So yeah, we're all we all
0: there. Great. I assume many. It- Considering those activities, you are very used to answer our first question. And uh, by the way, uh, people in the chat room, feel free to post questions in the chat room. I will try to keep an eye on them. Uh, And Millie here, uh, the voice in the sky, sometimes will remind me if I'm missing one. Feel free to ask questions in relation to the part of of this panel and this first part is about what is a tabletop role-playing game so is that something you often answer Rupert and what is your answer um it isn't it is a question I get asked fairly frequently
3: and it's a difficult one to answer because the minute you say um dungeons and dragons everybody has a different idea of what that is but that is a that is a shorthand to to the to the question um the long and short of it is I'd basically say role-playing games is when a bunch of people get together and try and tell a cool story together. It's communal storytelling um, at its best, really. Um, and it's about communicating well, the way we do it anyway. It's about communicating more than anything else. They are fights. They are battles because kids <coughs> like to bash stuff occasionally um, and kill monsters and get loot. I mean, that's just how kids are. Um, but the the core focus is on understanding where
0: someone else is coming from and
3: just being as awesome as possible.
0: Alessio, I really like your answer because I thought it was very clear and practical. I, I'm an architect, so I like things to be defined in terms of the, the physical aspect of things, the practical aspects of, of things. So what was your answer to that?
2: Yeah, it was very streamlined. Simple answer. I think is kind of uh, the motto of the company is uh, elegance through simplicity. <laughs> so yes, we do that. So um, yeah, get around the table. One person tells a story and you don't need a game. You don't need a, a system. It could be just a person tells a story like you were saying uh, and the other people are the character in the story. And you explore the story together. And the, the great thing is that uh, you all win together by having fun. There is no winners and losers, et cetera. You, you are sharing that experience, that story.
0: Okay. And last but not least, uh, Mustang, what what do you have to, da- to add to that?
1: Um, well, yeah, um, to add on, um, usually when... You're playing these collaborative storytelling games. You have one person who is either called a dungeon master or a game master or something of that equivalent, um, who essentially provides a world for the players who play their characters to put their characters in. And, um, you know, normally the, the person in charge of telling the story, um, helps lead it in a kind of solid direction at least for the most part. Um while well, everyone explores the world. But for for the most part, um, experience and having been a dungeon master and game master myself, it's pretty much the game master trying to herd everybody else along while everyone's exploring or getting involved in things. Um yeah, it's um as someone mentioned on chat, it's guided storytelling. Um and, you know, it's it's a good way for um not just kids but just people in general to learn empathy and to learn um, understanding and education on subjects that otherwise they they may not ever experience themselves it's a good way to step into somebody else's shoes or um or to see things from a different perspective which is really um informing
0: fine so when you engage with a new media you, people tend to have a, also a, a monolith, monolithic view of things. Uh, so I told something we, we, which did not come across. The, the answer is that uh, just as anything really, novels, TV shows, we were talking about Netflix before, just before we started the, this panel, uh, movies, video games, anything really, even toys, uh, you've got different age ranges. Uh, not all tables of playing games are appropriate for children and uh, some games are especially appropriate uh, for for children. Uh, would you any of you have pointers, or not only titles to recommend, but how uh, a parent could find the right tabletop appropriate game for, for children?
1: Um,
0: Robert? Oh, Ms. Tang,
1: go ahead. Um, I was going to say, um, it kind of depends, I think, um, what you're children are or child is interested in um what kind of fantasy if they care about you know really kind of high fantasy that you would find with Tolkien or with Brandon Sanderson then you know something like Dungeons and Dragons is probably like the good route to go whereas if they like something um that's based on a video game that they play. A lot of video games are put into tabletop gaming formats. Um, It's not kid appropriate, but from my own experience, I've worked on The Witcher, and The Witcher is also a whole video game series and now a TV show and everything. Um, And, uh, yeah, I think it's really, like, you know, important to ask um, your, your child what they would like to play or what do they show an interest in Um, because if you know what your child likes, uh, 99% of the time, you can find a TTRPG that fits that niche perfectly. Um, you know, you can go to local game stores or look online, um, and they're usually categorized by the genre that they're in, um, and what kind of gameplay you'll get from it. Um, so it's, yeah, it's just important to, to ask your child, you know, what do they like? Um, And, yeah, because then, you know, you know that they'll be engaged with what game you give them.
0: Rupert, do you have uh, anything on that topic?
3: Yeah, I mean, um, I'd agree completely with Sarah. Um, The one thing that I would say, however, is don't let what's available in the market limit you. A role-playing game is, as Alyssa said, someone telling a story and other people taking part You don't need a very rules-heavy way of looking at things. You can just simply sit down with the kids around the table and say, okay, this is what we're doing today, and and make it up as you go. This is the key thing. And as far as content or or theme is concerned, even if you want – even if the child liked – I know so many children that love horror movies. Me, I I could do without them. But if they like Call of Cthulhu – now, that's not necessarily traditionally very – available to children but and again it depends on how hard you want to work on it but you could take that setting and certainly run it in a way with children that it's going to benefit them in some way there's going to be suspense there's going to be drama. there's going to be monsters but it's also how you deal with the content and how you want them to interact with that world Um, it's going to depend on how hard you want to work Um, so you could just say Go for example, I use a lot of uh, I'll use Dungeons and Dragons as a shorthand because all the fantasy tropes are there, and tropes are tropes for a reason because people understand them and they're universal and like oh yes I understand that, and it's a it's a nice thing for kids to latch on to. They may have seen you know Lord of the Rings or whatever it might be or Harry Potter, so there are elements that they'll understand. You don't have to say well you didn't roll this or that for the for this, and then you got to roll twenty five dice to get the damage. <laughs> That is secondary. It's secondary to the storytelling and secondary to the child's enjoyment and your interaction with your child or any child for that matter. It's about them having a voice and then being heard. And that's, that I find is the key thing with any role-playing game. It's about having the opportunity to do something and have someone listen to what you want to say. Um, the rule sets are irrelevant as far as I'm concerned. The content is as broad as you want to make it you design your thing as you go any role-playing game is going to f- someone's going to find a problem with any role-playing game if they are that way inclined if i looked at delicious um, um my little pony subset you're going to find someone's got a problem with that as well so take what you can and change it that's that's the rule number ones it's a yeah. game
0: yeah, it's funny you mentioned Call of Tulu actually I had a guest on one of my show film studies in which we covered a never ending story and uh, how it related what content could be adapted to role playing game and that uh, teach, English teacher in Malaysia ran Call of Tulu for his 12 years old <laughs> and he, very, he had a very bonding experience with his son uh, running this game but it's interesting how, yeah, uh, you are the, the game master, the storyteller of the story is a, is a curator of the experience. So, uh, if the parents themselves are willing to do that, uh, that's, that's a very interesting way to engage with your tr- children and at the same time, uh, control what they are exposed, uh, to. Um, Alessio, what, what, what is there in, uh, Theos of Equestria, beyond the, the intellectual property and labyrinth, which makes them uh, appropriate for children, you would say?
2: Well, um, there's um, I think you both have some very strong ethical moments, very strong ethical points in them. Uh, Theos of Equestria, I, I, I was, I mean, I watched My Little Pony, I was aware of My Little Pony when I was young, but it wasn't for me, you know, uh, the, the hobby of uh, buying toys and uh, combing the hair of the, of the mane of the, of the pony, wasn't But then I watched uh, Friendship is Magic and uh, the core message of that show uh, was amazing and I think it's something that in the current world is desperately needed because the, the core message there is friendship. I mean, the subtitle is Friendship is Magic. And so we we looked at that and... It takes on basically all the all the all the it was like nine series, nine, nine, nine sections of this series, and every every time there's a villain, there's a bad guy, bad bad creature, and almost invariably that creature is just misunderstood. The pawn is the main character. Understand, get around, befriend the bad the bad guy, and eventually. It becomes one of the cast it becomes one of their friends he becomes friends they understand each other they help each other and become friends so that's kind of the underlying message and what what we try to do with terms of a quest is to explain this to kids in both in terms of obviously making it a, a game element and also having some a little mechanic in there that uh, encourages the group to uh, to behave. The best they can as friends. So basically, if you behave nicely as a friend, you, the, the GM can reward you with a little crystal of friendship, which is a token of friendship is a pure crystallized (laughs) friendship. And you accumulate these things. And as a group, if you play, then you can play them as plot points to change things, change dice rolls, change answers, kind of manipulate things. And if you play them together as friends, then they become more powerful. So it's both be nice to earn them. And also be together, work together as, as a group of friends to uh, to announce their power. And, and I mean, the, 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 the there is no combat in terms of equestria. obviously. It, there's scuffles, which is a cartoony thing where you get hit on the head and you have stars and birds flying around your head and you get knocked out and you get taken prisoner and all of that. There is no death, there is no injury, serious injuries. Uh, so, it's a it's very friendly <laughs> in, the, in the in the deepest meaning, meaning of, the, of the word system. Similarly, labyrinth again, there is no combat mechanic in that in that game. There are scenes where the GM will narrate a scene, have fun. It's all slap slapstick comedy. Yeah, there is no serious death, injury, etc. I mean, it's in the film it's you know puppets having fun dancing playing singing music and uh, there's fart jokes and all of that so it's uh, it's fun it's great fun so neither of the systems have the have a combat system which for a, for an RPG is saying something I guess
3: <laughs> so yeah we, right. re- sorry just to interrupt you. I'd really like to play a game where the kids befriend Cthulhu and like going to have tea at the end <laughs> yes. of the game that <laughs> would be a, yeah. phenomenal
2: <laughs> what's wrong with you Cthulhu why are you behaving this badly why <laughs> He's not evil. He's just good looking. That's all it is. Right. He's just seeing it from his point of view. Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There was already in your answer some elements of the the next question, the next segment. Uh, By the way, I believe uh, I didn't see any question regarding what is tabletop RPG. Uh, Feel free to to drop one in the chat room, but I believe audience might already have an answer to that. But uh, why should children and their parents... Play table to role-playing games, Miss Tang.
1: Um, I've, from my line of work, which is um, working to put mechanics and role-playing elements of disability, chronic illness, and neurodivergency spectrums <laughs> into games, um, is because I always get the question of able-bodied people saying, "Well, is it okay if I play a disabled character?" And you know, and I, I always say yes because tabletop role playing games are such a good way of stepping into somebody else's shoes and seeing what life is like from their point of view and um, together you kind of um, learn and understand um, even if you don't realize like you you are being educated on something that previously you had no real experience in um, and it can you know it really teaches um, empathy and it teaches. Uh, you know, uh, understanding and uh, it also opens up uh, from where I, the section I work in with disability, it opens up um, very important dialogues that often children are told, oh, you can't talk about that. Like, that's a taboo thing because People do do that with children and disability is, you know, don't stare, don't ask questions about it. But through role playing, they can and they're invited to. And, um, they can even play a character who's, you know, now with the rules I've made, you can play a character who's in a wheelchair and, you know, a child can understand, um, the kind of, um, things that they that disabled people um, experience day to day and you know then if they do meet a disabled person or get disabled friends in the future they have um, an understanding at least that they'll never truly know the experience but they can they can empathize with that person and understand where they're coming from um, and as well um, the whole Uh, you can play around a lot with um, tying into empathy and such again is you can play around with morals and ethics as well for children as they get older, especially, you know, um, there are lots of games like you were talking about uh, My Little Pony um, with morals of, you know, always see the best in people and want to be friends with people and try and resolve things with words rather than combat. Um, And there are adult versions and older older children's games that also have that even if there is a combat element um for me working with the witcher um a lot of the time you don't end up fighting the monster because you end up sympathizing with the monster and you try and find a way that the monster can be left alone by humans who are actually the people who were the problem for a change and it's all about learning that sometimes um, you know, not everything is as black and white as you think it may be. Um, and I think that's really important, um, in children's games, adults' games, and, you know, older children's, like teenagers' games as well. Um, and yeah, I, I'm just super enthusiastic about that area of tabletop role playing games in general, just because it's such, um, it's such a formative thing as well. You know, it really With educating um, a child, it informs their decisions, things that they may do later in life, um, how they may handle certain situations, as well. Um, So, yeah, that's that's what I think.
0: (laughs) Rupert, did you uh, for you, Rupert? Since you're working proper workshops using tabletop role playing game, because uh, we're talking about the the role playing game, but. Role playing is, uh, is actually a tool often use in, in mental health or, or even training uh, in professional uh, uh, environment. I was wondering if you, if you run things which had a specific focus uh, on aspects of things for children and their parents. Definitely.
3: Often when I work with um, groups that have a, an identified area of, um, I wouldn't say concern, but something that, that the kids... Have... Often I work with children with various traumas. And because they come from a particular group, they have a similar uh, background. And with that comes a similarity in how some of the children cope with that that part of their life. So, what I will do, I'll I'll work closely with the therapists involved, currently involved with children professionals, and I'll ask which areas are areas A that we want to avoid completing, because that's very important as well. Um, and which areas are areas that we want to sort of bring out and focus on. Now, one of the things about role-playing games is, you know, you're you're helping the kids practice a, a wide variety of skills. You're looking at problem-solving, um, empathy, mindfulness, uh, building their confidence, resilience, communication. All of these things are things that the kids, in many instances, haven't had the opportunity to to work on for various reasons. And with that comes a, a responsibility from the person running the thing to not exceed the boundaries that the children themselves have. Not something that's been put in place, but things that keep, you have to be manage your own expectations as to what the children are, are at that point, capable of achieving. Um, from a confidence point of view and from a resilience point of view, you don't always want to shy away from things. Because some, sometimes these are things that the children have to face. Um, you have to push through things sometimes. You have to be able to look something in the eye and and cope with it, in a manner of speaking. It sounds very harsh, but um, at later levels of, sort of DBT and things like that, it's not a case of simply um, putting it aside and forgetting about it. These are things that you have to work yeah. through. Um, and if you can couch these very delicate and very complex scenarios and and situations in a way that the children can that's more palatable for the children so if there's a, a situation of abuse or bullying or something like that, you won't ever put the child in the situation where they are the ones being abused or being the abuser. you would put them in a situation that is analogous to a situation they may have seen, there are some orcs and they're harassing a small halfling family. What do you want to do? And it puts them in the position of power. Now, they can ignore the situation completely if they're not ready to take on that sort of environment, or they can have an active role in that. And oftentimes, when it comes to these children, the they know what is right and what is wrong. And their interaction with that world is is up to them. But more often than not, they will intercede, or they will help, or more interestingly, they'll do nothing, or they'll help the bad guys. Which in itself is also very very useful, because that gives you some place that gives you something to work from and work towards. Um, the other benefit of role playing games, of course, is you can push pause and say, Oh, one one of the children said." Um, I want to punch the bomb in the face and steal his gloves. I said, fantastic. You're going to do that. The important thing is to let them do things. But in real life, for example, if the situation gets heightened to a point where the children do something like that, every other emotion after that is a heightened one It's based on on the reaction. So you punch someone, the adult says, why did you do that? Then it's not, why did I do that? You're shouting at me. I don't like you shouting at me. And then it just escalates from there. In a role-playing game, you can say, okay, you're going to punch him in the face, but I just want you to know that if you do that, these are the consequences to your actions. Right, I want you to roll dice so can punch him in the face. And once these very, very clear, logical conclusions are laid in front of them, they go, "Oh, maybe I don't want to punch him in the face. Maybe I want to do something else. And this is the opportunity we, that you have to – help them practice real-life situations in a very safe environment where they can ultimately punch it down the face if they want to, but they know what's going to happen, not in the real world where they have no idea what what could happen, and everything's an emotional escalation after that. Um, So it really is wonderful practice, specifically for the kids that I work with, wonderful
0: practice for real-life environments and real-life situations. Sorry, I, I rambled a little bit there. Um, it's extremely interesting. So, um, I, I keep an eye on the time. Sadly, uh, our panel is very limited. So we'll move on, but we, we could spend so much time just discussing that. And what I can say is I recommend people to check the Goblin's Chest uh, website and resources. Uh, uh but we, we're talking a lot about, uh, I know it can be uh, challenging, uh, depending on the age of children, but we're talking a lot about, uh, what it's like for children to be take the role of the player while well, the game master would be an adult uh you do you have experience of what some of your games or other games you've heard of which would be mastered by children and what are the things they can uh, they can develop uh, when when those roles are are like that
2: I have to be honest, no, I have not experienced that. Uh, I have started to see sign of, the, signs of that, uh, in the groups of my daughter and, uh, her friends, where one of the friends a bit older. I mean, it's interesting the the change between the children, because my we started role playing my little pony as six year old. She's now 12. So there's a, uh, the things might, like me, my, my little pony, uh, things like the, what you were saying before, the, Role play without rules, you know, the, I don't know, translating from Italian would be a projection game where a couple of uh, weeks ago, I was on a beach at night with my daughter and I started to look at the sand and went, ooh, you know, imagine something is crawling under the sand. What would you do? So we, if you're role playing a situation. You're making it up as it goes along. A deep one emerges from, from the sea just over there in front of you, you know, on that kind of spooky atmosphere of the beach. So some things you do with kids, as some role play you do with kids, uh, it's interesting to see those kids six years later starting to go into D and D. You know, enough with the pony now. <laughs> I've heard of this D and D thing. My friends at school, there's a couple of guys that play D and D, and so we moved from being Pegasi, sparkly Pegasi, to being, you know, Tiefling sorcerers. <laughs> so, so we. It's nice to see that evolution, but at that, at some point, like you're saying, there is the friend that goes, hmm. I wonder if I could run this, and they have not done that stuff yet. I, I haven't seen it, but I'm really eager to see that. I'm really, I, frankly, I would love to be a player in that group as opposed to the, the GM because, frankly, I'm lazy, <laughs> so I like to enjoy that. But it would be very interesting to see how she deals with with that because obviously, you know, will she be bossy as a GM? Will she be obviously? Is not it's not a simple thing to to transition from player to GM. I, unfortunately, I would like to be able to tell you how that was, but I haven't seen it yet, but I think I'm just about to see it. Maybe next panel, next year. <laughs> I've heard
0: some anecdotes, uh, mainly, again, a, in my never-ending Story episode, one from uh, Senda, from uh, She's a Super Geek. Uh, but yeah, myself, I've not experienced that or witnessed that, uh, but it's, it's a lot of skills uh, a child would develop doing that. Uh, storytelling uh sort of reading empathy, but not as uh being in the shoes of someone else, but reading the room and trying to understand what the players are trying to do and and manage that uh personally not not as a game master but as a player I've learned leadership uh my first notions of leadership, which then were used uh in professional environments was through role playing game uh th- there's quite a lot there um the or... yeah sorry.
2: Being a GM, I think what one big thing that it will teach you is to deal with rejection because it's that moment where, you know, you, you really thought of the greatest story, the great moment. I think I'm going to do this and that and then get distracted. They don't listen to you. <laughs> they start talking about something else and you go, and there is, you know, I, I don't know. I, maybe you, guys, you you guys have experienced as well. It feels is a level of rejection is a level, a level of, oh, you don't love the thing that I put so much love and passion into, you know, you know, you must be thrilled by this, which mean, obviously probably is your fault, I guess, <laughs> but it, I think it teaches you that, it teaches you the, you know, the, you're not the center of the world, sometimes people will, you know, behave in a very different way from what you want them to behave and stuff, so deal with that level of... Uh, the, <laughs> I'm not the center of the universe, kind of thing. It's not exactly
0: a stage, but you expose your stuff to others. You you create something, you curate something, and you see, you see the the reaction. Uh, Mustang, anything to add on that specifically?
1: Well, uh, I'm only 23, which is pretty pretty young, I guess. Um, but I started playing TTRPGs um, back when. I was 16 on and off and then started playing them far more often when I was 18. Um, so 18, like from the perspective of now I'm 23, 18 is still a, a child. So I can talk about it <laughs> in this sense. Um, is, uh, GMing, um, at age 18, um, and just playing TTRPGs in general. Um, they're great confidence builders. Um, and, especially with gming as well it gives you such a a wide vocabulary um vernacular you know you become a a more confident speaker um back when i was like 17 i could never have done this panel i could never have come live on stream in front of you know nearly 80 people and talked. i couldn't have done it um and yeah like so children children really do learn a lot of um skills really even if that it doesn't seem like they are um but it 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 all adds up uh, at the end of the day um and it's yeah it's i recommend anybody you know who does play um ttrpgs like children especially to take up that um, step of GMing every now and then. Um, we used to do a thing where each um, session we'd get together, somebody else would be the, the DM or GM and they'd run a one shot. And, you know, we'd always jump in the person who was last, uh, the, the DM or GM, they'd jump in with uh, a character who just happens to tag along with the party this time as another member drops out as the person goes to GM. And, um, yeah, so, like you know, encourage um, your kids as well, especially if they feel like they're confident um, and especially if, you know, they ask if they could run a game sometime. Um, and you can even... With the systems and how loose they are, a lot of them do lend quite well to there being two game masters or two dungeon masters from time to time. So you yourself as the adult could be playing a character and just hop in to help your child whenever, you know, they're, they're like, oh, I don't know a rule or I don't know what to do in this situation is you can hop in and just, you know, give them a little guidance or even just encouragement if they start to doubt themselves because that happens when you're a GM um, often but yeah, it's um, I definitely recommend, you know, children take both player and uh, GM DM spots
0: We have a Kevin McFinn uh, in the chat room who says my daughter and her friends have already taken it in turns running No Thank You Evil uh, an excellent game for children and families uh, from Monteco Games I uh, uh, recommend any parent to check it out They are eight and mostly did very well well that's that's great to read uh, I think also parents could learn things from role playing game uh, I'd recommend parents to try Mask a New Generation in which you play teenager superheroes and it's all about uh, your labels being shifted uh, Your or you you see yourself being shifted by adults around you. So it might be uh, quite interesting to redevelop this empathy uh, with our teenage when we are older, older like me. I'm 40. Can you believe that? Rupert, do you have anything to add on that specific question? I think it's a very um, useful skill for parents. Um,
3: often when it comes to kids – I'm speaking of myself specifically now. Um, you don't always hear what the kids are trying to say. Um, the lexicon they have isn't as developed as yours. They may use words that are not necessarily correct in the context that they're using them. I'm talking about specifically younger children now, or, I mean, even up to teenagers. Um, and the the act of, act of listening as a DM to your players Understanding what they're saying, not just listening to what they're saying, and putting things in place that actually help them and encourage them and teach them resilience, as Alicia was saying the the, the one of the main drawbacks today in today's society, especially with um, online culture and um, that where kids have got so many external input. With regards to what they should look like, who should they, they should be, and all of these things. The confidence of many children is not that severely. And be that as it may, unfortunately, um, that isn't necessarily going to change overnight. That's going to take a massive paradigm shift culturally. So, the best you can do in that instance is try and bolster their resilience, put them in situations where it's okay to say no. It's okay to stand up for yourself. You don't have to take everybody's um, opinion as, as law. And given the tools they need that perhaps we didn't need growing up as much. Um, and I'm talking specifically about myself and Callum and Alessio being of a generation. Uh, Sarah, you would have, I mean, you would have been in the thick of this thing from the beginning, but
0: yeah. Um, I'm young at heart. I'm on TikTok. Then you're then you're younger than me, literally
3: and figuratively. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I think it's about giving the kids um, the tools that they need, and also helping yourself understand them. Because I think that there's a lot of miscommunication with children and adults in the world, and I'm not even just talking about parents and children. So yeah, I think it's a very very useful tool if you're willing to put the time and effort in.
0: Could be discussing this only this question all evening but sadly we have to move on so for the the few parents out there or the children who brought their parents to convince them to play how and where can children and their parents play tabletop role-playing games actually uh alessio where 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 can we find those
2: <laughs> well obviously uh the, the obvious answers would be uh first of all at home uh i think uh gathering your friends uh and playing with your friends is the coziest way of experiencing that so play at home with your i mean I, that's what we tend to do normally we gather around the kitchen table and uh, start rolling dice and touch uh, up with you know my daughter do- my daughter and her friends. so that's the easiest answer, and uh, maybe I'll I'll leave the cafes and stuff to other panelists, otherwise I'll I'll list them all and <laughs> answer the whole thing. So, all well, the other options are there, Rupert and Mustang.
0: You can go on River Horse Games, Games, uh, their website, and find Oh, yes, yeah, oh, buy. yeah. You get the PDF. You don't even need a physical copy. Uh, you can find PDFs of pretty much any good role-playing games. Uh, not D&D, but it doesn't matter. Tr- buy something else. Uh, Mr. <laughs> Uh, where can parents find games for their children to play and how
1: um yeah so um, you were saying about you playing at home um there's board game cafes board game shops that host you know days or evenings um where people open games up and you know you can come and play um and it's not it's a it's a non-commitment thing you know you can just turn up for one evening and see how it goes um there is also um the option, uh especially you know with lockdown and some people being in quarantine and such, um that you can um do it online now. Um there is uh roll twenty, of course, um that's a website, um quite a well known one. There's also um people play it over Discord or they play it over Zoom. Um but you know if you're gonna get um if older children especially who probably you know have a discord and have friends online um, is that if they you know get a group together is just be cautious obviously make sure that the people that they are playing with are children um, are who they say they are um, which is which is always you know a concern when playing online Um, but um, if you if you're interested in you know not just supporting um, your child who wants to play tabletop games, but um also actively want to take part yourself, I definitely do recommend um board game cafes and the board game shops. Um, just because you go there and there are usually very experienced people there as well, who are more than happy to talk forever and ever about every TTRPG you could possibly have a question about. Um, you know, and that they're always very friendly and enthusiastic. Um because you know in in my experience of having gone to these places as well um yeah the people there are just enthusiasts and they want to share it with as many people as possible so going to board game shops and board game cafes um especially i'm I'm a bit more uh biased i like um the cafes just a little bit more because you know you can get cake and uh drinks and stuff while you're there um and that's always uh really nice as well so if you don't want to participate in a game exactly but you want to be there to support your child you know you can be sitting in uh like the the more cafe area having a cup of tea and just kind of keeping an eye as the you know they um the wild and wacky adventures happen at the table um with your child
0: got, got a bit of a uh Slightly critical note uh, on that, uh, due to my experience of clubs here uh, in the UK, uh, clubs are amazing, uh, but because of uh, cultural uh, realities in in the, in the UK compared to the European continent, those clubs take place in pubs, and uh, instead of uh, publicly run by the state uh, facilities, uh, and as a result, often they are they are close to children. So I would I would recommend clubs in the UK to first try to, to work on that and if they are already uh appropriate to welcome children because they, they're lucky to have a, a space of some kind which is appropriate and also times which are appropriate during the weekend or earlier in the evening rather than later uh, i would recommend clubs to showcase themselves a bit more uh towards children because that's something i found was a bit lacking compared to my experience um, uh, abroad sadly
1: yeah um I can say now that our board game cafes in the UK have become a much bigger thing, um, especially in cities. Um, There are some really good ones in London and in Brighton, um, in particular down south. And I've heard that there are some really good ones in in York, in Yorkshire and Nottingham Nottingham as well, um, which is not far from... From me. Um and uh Edinburgh as well also has um some good gaming cafes. Um it, it kind of seems to have really taken on and especially in the past couple of years.
0: Rupert, you seem also to be the place to go if we want to find games for children, aren't you?
3: Yeah, um I would say be and this is this is maybe ending this in a little bit down, be very cautious where you take your kids. Um, if you're going to go somewhere, investigate first. Make sure that the people are, are DBS checked. Make sure that they are appropriately checked to work with children. Um, many of the clubs and the, the 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 board games cafes that are out there are wonderful, and the D&D community as a whole are fantastic people. But they're, in any situation, there's always going to be someone that may not have someone else's best interest at heart and when it comes to children the last thing you want to do is put them in any harm whatsoever speaking as a parent speaking as someone that works with children that have had experiences in their lives you don't want that for anybody um, depending on the age group of the children obviously if it's teenagers whatever you know, you can take them to board game cafe. Those are wonderfully appropriate. As Mustang said, they are fantastic staff in general that work there. Um, but for younger children, around the table at home is the best place for them. Get their friends over, get a couple of bowls of crisps, make a day of it. They can sit. I mean, I've, I've had sessions with kids hours, hours. And you think, oh, they'll go and play whatever. No, they'll sit there and they'll get, be engaged. Um, at home, or if you can find a, an appropriate person online to, to run it for them, M- whatever you do, though, make sure these people are vetted and checked. If they are, they'll have a number. You can go online and make sure that their, their DBS check is valid, what it's valid for. These are things in place to protect your children and do that. Because as wonderful as role-playing games are, with as many benefits as they are to how it can in- positively impact your child, the opportunities for grooming, the opportunities for for any sort of underhanded or nefarious intent is there as well. A tool is only as useful or as good as the person wielding it. And for good, role-playing games can do phenomenal, phenomenal things for kids. But if the wrong person's using it, be careful, do your homework, play at home, find someone good, and instill those values in the game, in the kids'
0: I'll stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> also, also, it doesn't have necessarily to be people who are the fires. People can be just inconsiderate and uh, a bit uh, oblivious of what they're exposing other players. Yeah. Uh, Over that, I will recommend parents to go check uh, safety practices in tabletop role playing games. Uh, that's the subject of a complete panel, uh, but go check what they are, safety practices. Uh, I think it's something very, uh, interesting to look into uh i would also suggest uh for parents looking for games online there's a lot of conventions like uk games expo today with virtually expo which are having editions online and it's a unique opportunity to join games online uh first of all it would be adequate environment for children to try games most conventions, at least, uh, to join games there, uh, in person, uh, because often they, they are classified and there's a, a vetting process of game masters. And second, online, you, you got that. I'm running a game this weekend and I was asked to state what age Ito was appropriate for that. So conventions are a great place for you to look for online games. But alongside what Rupert was saying, like with any online games or any chat room interactions. Uh, I believe a good parenting advice that it's better for children to play with the speakers on their computers or television rather than headsets. So you're aware of what uh, the conversation and the game is revolving around. It's, it's great to, to keep an eye uh, on, on things. Uh, we've got uh, uh, more information from uh, Keva McFinn. Uh, she, she had it. Uh, that She started, she or he, uh, I don't know. We started with my husband and daughter with me running. Then my daughter wanted to run for us at seven years old. Impressive. Uh, if that happens when my old son is just two years old, I would be uh, very impressed. So good job there. It really helped show me she paid attention as she used my story structure to make hers up. We then moved on to introduce her having friends joining. Uh, nice, a new generation. <laughs> 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 that, my, I tried running games for my parents as an adult for my parents, who obviously are older than me uh, because I'm not a time traveler. Uh, but it, it's, um, yeah, play, playing within the family. That's an experience I, I look forward to. Uh, we are four minutes before the end of this. Uh, mini, uh, beautiful voice in the sky. Did you catch any question I would have missed? Amazing. well I guess it's time for the the plugs then uh, I'm gonna go uh, Mustang uh, can you plug yourself and uh, tell people where they can find you
1: yeah um, you can find me on Twitter at Mustangs Art I do a lot of um, disability advocacy in tabletop role playing games um, you can also um, find me on Patreon as well under the same name Mustangs Art um, as well, um, I produce content for games that is all revolved around disability, like how to role play and mechanics. Um, and, you know, uh, you can find me also in books that are coming out um, in the new um, R. Games' um, Book of Tales for the Witcher TTRPG. I'm now on the Hellboy TTRPG, and I'm also working on um, Starfinder and Pathfinder currently as well.
0: You need to branch out towards games which are compatible for children, though.
1: Yeah, I do. <laughs> but Speaking a lot of... It, sorry. Of, I was just saying that it's a lot of uh, adult games, but I believe Pathfinder and Starfinder is one of those ones that you can manipulate, just like D&D, to be appropriate for children.
0: Speaking of appropriate for children, uh, Alessio... Uh, plug away and, uh, uh I'll and be that's very great. If you,
2: play. if you're interested in River Horse products, come to our website, River Horse, just look it up, riverhorsegames.com and, uh, have a look at our web store. There's a lot of, uh, Mario Pony, real books or PDFs and, uh, Hanson, you know, Jim Hanson, Labyrinth, Dark Crystal. So then those are our main products. Uh, want to say thank you for, for having me. Thank you for, to Mustang in particular, because the idea of actually asking the kids to role play on a rota, is something I didn't think about, and I will do. <laughs> I will just go, now it's your turn. Europe, UGM, Yeah. <laughs> then UGM, and then UGM. Fantastic. So thank you very much for that suggestion. Uh, I'll do that straight away. And, uh, I'll just basically sign off with a thing where you said, uh, Callum, about uh, role-playing with older things. The last time that my daughter saw, talked to her grandma, to my mom, was we were role-playing together. And then my mom passed away shortly after, which is, um, it was in a role play game.
0: Touching. Uh, I'm just, before I forget, a resource we forgot sort of to recommend. Uh, If you're interested in any game's parents or children, and you want to find out more about this game, uh, how it's run and so on, there's a lot of sessions which are available for you to watch online on YouTube or here on Twitch, sometimes uh, live. So uh, feel free to Google, uh, Tales of Equestria, My Little Pony or any game, Star Trek, Star Wars all of that you got role playing games for them and find videos of people playing them, it's a great way to familiarize yourself with how these things are run and, and what they are about so that's definitely something I recommend parents
1: to check out um, just, just for parents as well because I just remembered um, that uh, there is a way to make them um, a bit safer for children as well if you're thinking of branching into some more serious subjects with um, educating children, um, is Kiana S's um, safety toolkit for TTRPGs. Um, it recently won an NE. It's very good. Um, and it covers uh, how to broach certain topics, how to cut things out of games, where to draw lines and things like that. Um, it's very educating, very eye-opening. And yeah, it works really well when you are role-playing with you know children.
3: Amazing. Rupert? Um, Rupert from The Goblin's Chest we're on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook Um, you can find me at uh, thegoblin'schest.com you can email me at jointheadventure at thegoblin'schest.com we work with all sorts of children uh, not necessarily children that have any underlying difficulties Uh, we run role-playing workshops for kids from the ages of 7 all the way through to 47 um so yeah uh if you have any que- if you have any questions you're welcome to ask
0: go ahead uh, we are running out of time so i was Calum from the rollies podcast please do check my show i've got episodes recorded at convention including uk games expo so you can have an idea what's the experience is like there uh, i've got specific episodes about clubs uh in the uk even abroad like in barcelona uh, go check them out uh, go check my never-ending story uh, episode of the RPG Academy Film Studies we've got a, a few uh, anecdotes about playing with children and advice there so that's it and I will leave the what's called the waves uh, the stream to whoever is following uh, thank you so much for Expo for having us and uh, have fun everyone and uh, feel free to join my game Paris Gondo the life-saving magic of inventory I'll for children uh, age 12 plus see you bye thanks for listening to this panel by the Rollies present or spin-off show derived from the Rollies podcast the Rollies presents aims to showcase the tabletop RPG industry and community across Europe through panels held on Twitch or at live events If you enjoyed this episode and would like to see more or if you would like us to attend or even organize more live events, your support would help me do just that. First of all, there's Patreon. Patreon is an online platform allowing individuals like you and me to support podcasters, artists and game designers via small but regular donations. In our case, the donations are limited to a single one per month. You set the amount, and even a single pound goes a long way in encouraging me to continue producing all our shows and events. Actually, the equipment I use to record panels at live events was financed in part by rollists like you who already support the show via Patreon. Doing so will grant you access to our modest bonus show, Café Rollist, the caffeinated RPG break. Our main shows do not include any advertising and they will all remain available for free. But I do have expenses, producing the show, organizing or attending events. Any kind of support allows me not only to continue, but to do more, like travel to a convention or game shop near you. In the UK or across the channel and maybe the pond one day. If you cannot afford to support the release financially, it's totally fine. What I value the most is having you as a listener. And there are many other means to support the show. You can subscribe via Apple Podcasts or any podcast player, Spotify, Stitcher, Podchaser, Podbean. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or just a five-star rating without any text. It really helps to have the show noticed by more listeners. You can also be a huge help through recommending the show to friends online, in your gaming groups or at your local RPG club. And never hesitate to message me with your thoughts via email, Facebook or Twitter. I am always happy to interact with you all. This is why I'm doing this show. Finally, we have a monthly newsletter that you can join to stay updated about our releases, or upcoming episodes and events. Just click the description of this episode and you will find a link to this newsletter. This was Kalum for The Rollist. Thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end. And remember, you are The Rollist.